We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 348 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Friday, July 1st, 2022. It is the start of July 4th weekend. A weekend that in each of the last two years brought us quite the news. Do you remember what was going on on July 4th weekend 2020? Do you remember what was going on during July 4th weekend 2021? Uh, Allow me to remind you, July 4th weekend 2020 was when everything, and I mean everything, changed for the Redskins. Thursday evening, July 2nd, 2020, statement from FedEx, quote, we have communicated to the team in Washington our request that they change the team name, and quote, that on Friday morning, July 3rd, 2020, statement from the Redskins that led with the following, quote, in light of recent events around our country and feedback from our community, the Washington Redskins are announcing the team will undergo a thorough review of the team's name, end quote. And then on Sunday, July 5th, 2020, we had multiple reports that Dan Snyder's then-minority partners, Dwight Shar, Robert Rothman, and Fred Smith, wanted out. So the name change and the ownership turmoil, all of that broke on July 4th weekend, 2020. And then last year, we went into July 4th weekend with something that came out one year ago today, July 1st, 2021. We got the outcome of the Beth Wilkinson investigation. Not an actual written report, but a summary of the findings and the announcements of multiple measures being taken. The then Washington football team would be paying $10 million, which per the NFL was to be, quote, used to support organizations committed to character, education, anti-bullying, healthy relationships, and related topics, end quote. B, Tanya Snyder, who had been named co-CEO just two days earlier, what a coincidence, was assuming responsibilities of CEO and overseeing all day-to-day team operations and representation of the club on all league activities as Dan Snyder, as he said in a statement, would be concentrating his time 
quote, during the next several months on developing a new stadium plan and other matters, end quote. So, yeah, July 4th weekend has been quite the weekend the last two years. What, oh what, (laughs) do we have in store for us on this July 4th weekend, 2022? Hello and welcome to a Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, what we have going on going into this July 4th weekend, 2022, is a whole lot happening in Washington, D.C. sports. Next segment, I'll give you my thoughts on a wild day on Thursday that featured major developments regarding three of the biggest stars in D.C. sports. Terry McLaurin of the Commanders, Bradley Beal of the Wizards, and Juan Soto of the Nationals. Now, the Soto development may not be much, we'll see, but the Terry McLaurin and Bradley Beal developments most certainly are significant. Terry on Thursday morning put out a terrific statement confirming that he has agreed on a contract extension with the Commanders, and Bradley officially is re-signing with the Wizards as they shortly after NBA free agency began on Thursday evening, announced that they are re-signing Beal and the contract per reports is in fact a super max contract, a five-year, $251 million contract. I have a lot to say about all of this, and I have not one, but two special guests on the show. First up will be Dan Pizzuta, writer and editor For sharp football analysis, Dan is one of the bright minds in NFL analytics. He is a big fan of Terry McLaurin. And so Dan is going to explain what exactly makes Terry so impressive and why Terry is a top 10 receiver in the NFL. Uh, Dan also is very high on Jahan Dodson. We'll talk about that. And then I'll welcome on my friend, my pal, Scott Jackson. Uh, I worked with Scott for years at the Team 980. Scott is excellent at talking Wizards. He was the studio host for the Washington Wizards Radio Network from 2000 to 2006. He knows the inner workings of the Wizards quite well. And he and I will discuss the state of the Wizards, the reciting of Bradley Beal, and why exactly the Wizards are giving him this Supermax contract, whether the Wizards might possibly be better defensively, This coming season, we had news breaking on Thursday night that the Wizards reportedly have agreed on a deal with DeLon Wright, and Scott and I will get into a whole lot more. I am sending you into your July 4th weekend with a bang via this installment of the podcast. Great to have you with us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. Don't forget to give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And if you're really feeling generous, please write a brief review of the podcast saying that you like the podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Rich on the state of Washington, D.C. sports. Writes Rich, of the four major sports teams in Washington, which one has the best chance of winning a championship in the near future? The Nationals are rebuilding an aging Steven Strasburg, a potential ownership change, and Juan Soto's upcoming contract expiration all contribute to uncertainty. The Capitals' aging stars made for a quick playoff exit this past season. Will they be able to turn back the clock next year? The Wizards, what really needs to be said here? They're the damn Washington Wizards. (laughs) Kevin Durant wouldn't even consider playing here. There's a reason. The Wizards are a joke. A bad joke with no ending. Just pointless, uninspired basketball season after season. Could it be possible 
that the commanders are best suited to contend for a championship. Do this year's drafted players, a feasibly possible, potentially healthy Curtis Samuel, a surgically repaired Chase Young, a surgically repaired Logan Thomas, and a two-team cast-off in Carson Wentz lead this team to the promised land, or will this year be just another (laughs) dust-up at the Capitol. (laughs) Do the commanders represent DC's only shot at a championship, or is there no hope for DC sports fans? Keep up the good work. Love the show. Well, thank you for that, Rich. Good email. Well, when it comes to which major Washington, D.C. sports team is best suited to win a championship right now, as the saying goes, the pickings, they are slim. Uh, The truth is that not a single one of our four major Washington, D.C. sports teams is truly a championship contender right now. But if you are forcing me to pick one team, I actually would say the Capitals. Uh, The Caps, while aging And while they have been eliminated in the first round of each of the last four Stanley Cup playoffs, are still consistently having very good regular seasons. And so there is a level of excellence that the Caps consistently get to that no other D.C. team is getting to right now. Also, the nature of the Stanley Cup playoffs is such that we have had many series upsets over the years and many lower-seeded teams make deep runs over the years. And so a team that is flawed, as the Caps are, still has a shot at a deep run come the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, even though, yes, the Caps' postseason history is not good. Uh, The Caps have been eliminated in a first or second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs in 29 of the franchise's 32 all-time postseason appearances. That, my friends, is a painful reality for every one of us who is a Caps fan. Email from Wendell Hicks off the Commanders agreeing with Terry McLaurin on a contract extension. Writes Wendell, we finally have some good news from our Commanders. Just a thought on the structure of Terry McLaurin's contract. While most players enjoyed the security of longer deals in the past, players are starting to feel more comfortable taking shorter deals. This is especially true with offensive skill players. The first marquee free agent who I can remember doing this was Kirk Cousins when he signed the three-year $84 million contract that was fully guaranteed. This enabled him to get another massive contract, and he will likely get a third massive contract. People can say what they will about his play, but he completely changed how negotiations are done. Uh, Thank you for the email, Wendell. Great topic. And yeah, I agree. Our friend, our pal, former Redskins quarterback, Kirk Cousins, uh, he has changed the NFL contract game. And he has done so in several ways. First of all, what you said, not being afraid to take a shorter term contract with a high average annual value, a high AAV. And that has been done because Kirk has not been shy about betting on himself. And because Kirk, like a lot of people, recognizes that the NFL salary cap continues to soar. And so why lock yourself into some five or six year deal when in just two or three years, all NFL teams will have a lot more money with which to play and with which to pay. Uh, A second way in which Kirk Cousins has changed the NFL contract game is in being able to command a fully guaranteed contract as he did with that initial contract with the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk, in March 2018, as an unrestricted free agent, signed a three-year, $84 million contract that was fully guaranteed. He showed that an NFL player can command a big-money contract that is fully guaranteed. Now, 
It is true that we haven't exactly seen a parade of fully guaranteed NFL contracts since then, but how about the new contract that the Cleveland Browns gave to Sean Watson this past March? A five-year, $230 million contract that is fully guaranteed. And then a third way in which Kirk Cousins has changed the NFL contract game is that he, in his situation with the Redskins, showed how a franchise tag can be a player's friend, not his enemy. Kirk, in his multi-year contract saga, his multi-year contract dance, his multi-year contract cha-cha-cha with the Skins, showed that a franchise tag can greatly increase a player's leverage, especially if the player is franchise tagged in back-to-back off-seasons, as Kirk was so brilliantly uh, by the Skins. NFL players for years viewed being franchise tagged as a bad thing, as an insult. I'll never forget when the Skins franchise tagged Brian Arakpo in March 2014. He was furious. He acted like the Skins were sending him to Siberia, okay? Kirk played being franchise tagged beautifully. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> whether you like the guy or not, uh, old Kirky has changed the NFL contract game. I'm a little bit more process-oriented. Yes, Kirk, we know. We got it. Well, our guy Kellen Hunt is changing the real estate game in the Washington, D.C. area. If you are wanting to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell, as in Kellen Hunt, as your real estate agent. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. The Washington, D.C. area real estate market is competitive. We, of course, have all kinds of things going on with our economy right now. What's the best way to approach buying a home in the D.C. area? What are the best strategies? How do you make sure that your offer for the home that you want is the offer that wins? This is where Kellen Hunt comes in. Kellen Hunt has a mastery of the Washington, D.C. area real estate market, but he's not just some know-it-all. He is here for you, to listen to you, to hear what you want and then determine the best way of going about getting you what you want, no matter your age or situation in life. His website says it all, closeitwithkel.com. Kellen Hunt is a closer, just as the commanders closed a contract extension with Terry McLaurin. Kellen Hunt will close you buying the home that you want, and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yes, you the buyer, get a piece of the action. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing and he wants to help. So visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. You have nothing to lose. Visit closeitwithkell.com. Book an introductory call with Kellen Hunt at closeitwithkell.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. So how about the Thursday that we had in Washington, D.C. sports? Not one, but two major re-signings in D.C. sports became official to some degree. And there actually was a report that a third major re-signing in D.C. sports could be coming, although that report now appears to have been wrong. Thursday morning at 9.30, Commander's receiver Terry McLaurin, or at least his Twitter account, tweeted out a lengthy first-class statement in which he confirmed that he has agreed on a contract extension 
with the team. Thursday evening at 6.14, 14 minutes after the start of NBA Free Agency, the Wizards, via their Twitter account, tweeted out that they are re-signing Bradley Beal. President and general manager Tommy Shepard, quote, the Wizards intend to enter into a player contract with Bradley Beal once the moratorium period ends, end quote. Uh, The moratorium period will end on July 6th at 12.01 p.m. Eastern. That's when NBA teams can begin actually signing free agents to contracts and can begin officially executing trades. Also on Thursday was a tweet on Thursday afternoon from this guy, Hector Gomez. Hector Gomez is an MLB insider in the Dominican Republic. Uh, The tweet said, quote, talks are intensifying between the Nationals and Juan Soto regarding a second offer from the team to the star for a 13-year, $425 million extension, which will increase the initial $350 million offer by $75 million, end quote. Now, that report was soon shot down by multiple people. Tweet from Nats insider Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post, quote, multiple people tell me the reported figures of 13 years and $425 million are inaccurate, end quote. Tweet from Brittany Giroli, senior MLB writer for The Athletic, quote, am told the report the Nationals offered Juan Soto 13 years, $425 million is inaccurate, end quote. So this Juan Soto report does appear to have been fake news, uh, at least as far as the new numbers go. Perhaps the two sides are negotiating, and Doherty on Thursday evening did come out with a report that the Nats did make an offer to Juan Soto in the spring that exceeded the 13 years and $350 million that the Nats offered last fall, but 13 for 425 does not appear to have been accurate. But incredibly, we on Thursday had stuff swirling regarding three major DC sports stars potentially slash actually re-signing with their teams via mega money contracts. Terry McLaurin, Bradley Beal, and Juan Soto. Three of the biggest names, right, in DC sports. Well, the biggest item uh, was the Bradley Beal item. Uh, Not that that was surprising, okay? What happened with Beal on Thursday was anticipated, but it is now official. He has opted out of his contract with the Wizards, and he is re-signing with the Wizards. And boy, do I hope that this will work out. As I have said many times about Beal, very good player, and he certainly seems to be a good person. He certainly has not been the Wizards' biggest problem during his time with the team. But Bradley Beal is not an elite player. His three-point shooting has declined significantly in recent years. He is an inconsistent defender. He hasn't led the Wizards to anything of true significance in a league in which one player on his own can lead a team to something of significance. As I have said many times, the Wizards have not advanced past the second round of the NBA playoffs since 1979. The Wizards haven't had a 50-win regular season since the 1978-79 season. And yet, the Wizards now are going to be paying Bradley Beal $50 million per year. Yeah, the reporting is that Beal is getting the full Supermax contract. No discount for the Wiz. A five-year, $251 million deal. Yeah, five for 251 Let that sink in. $50 million per year. I have been a Bullets slash Wizards fan my entire sporting life, okay? I want the Wizards to win. I want Bradley Beal to do well. I am rooting very hard 
for Bradley Beal to do well. I am rooting very hard for this contract to work out. But right now, you ask me what I think about this deal. Bradley Beal ain't worth no $50 million per year. And oh, by the way, this coming season will be Beal's age 29 season. The bulk of this contract is for Beal's 30s. One of my favorite sayings for big money contracts in sports is, don't pay a guy in his 30s for what he did in his 20s. Well, the Wizards are going to be paying Beal in his 30s for what he did in his 20s into the tune of $50 million per year. I have no problem with Bradley Beal making all of this money from his standpoint. More power to him, okay? I don't begrudge athletes making the money that the athletes make. I want everyone to make as much money as he or she can. This is on the Wizards, okay? (laughs) They're the ones who have to carry this burden. They're the ones who have to swallow the matzo ball of paying Bradley Beal $50 million per year. The Wizards have made this decision, and now they're going to have to live with it. And I really hope that it works out. Uh, Oh, by the way, this now is the third max contract that the Wizards have given Bradley Beal. Think about that. Three max contracts for one guy. July 2016, five years, $128 million. October 2019, two years, $72 million. June 2022, five years, $251 million. As I tweeted on Thursday evening, that is some next level Kirk Cousins like maximizing of your value for not being an elite player. The Wizards since July 2016 have committed 400 plus million dollars to Bradley Beal and yet he is not an elite player. That's crazy when you think about it. And, you know, normally when a team signs a star player to a mega money contract, there is joy, right? There is celebration. Think how we felt this week with the commanders agreeing on a contract extension with Terry McLaurin. Think how happy we all were this week when that news broke, the commanders having agreed on a contract extension with Terry McLaurin. Now, compare and contrast how you felt when the commander's Terry McLaurin extension news broke with how you felt when the Wizards' Bradley Beal re-signing news broke. There is no such joy with the Wizards re-signing Bradley Beal. There is no such celebrating with the Wizards re-signing Bradley Beal. There is universal snark and sarcasm and shaking of heads, not because everyone hates Bradley Beal, but because anyone who understands sports understands that Beal isn't worth $50 million per year. And again, I'm rooting for the guy, but a lot of this has to do with the Wizards treating Bradley Beal like the elite player that they wish he was, but he just is not. As for Terry McLaurin, So he, via his statement on Thursday morning, confirmed what we all knew. He has agreed to a contract extension with the commanders. Uh, Now, the commanders haven't yet announced the extension, nor, by the way, should they until after the holiday weekend. The commanders need to maximize this good news for every last drop, every last drippity drop 
of positive public relations. This is a team that, of course, does not have positive PR often. So now that you have a big whammy of positive PR, you got to maximize this. To me, the commanders should not officially announce the Terry McLaurin contract extension until at least this coming Tuesday, July 5th. Let the July 4th weekend happen and then announce this Terry McLaurin contract extension and then do a press conference with Terry and Commander's head coach Rod Rivera. Maybe announce the extension on Tuesday, do the presser on Wednesday. The Commanders should squeeze every last drippity drop of positive press from this development. Uh, I love the statement that Terry put out on Thursday morning. Here you go. Quote, playing in the NFL is a blessing and something I will never take for granted. From the moment I stepped foot on the field as a seven-year-old to now, I continue to respect the game, play it the right way, and leave everything I have on the field. I love the grind and the process of getting better. Team accomplishments and goals have always far exceeded individual ones. From the day I was drafted, I've had the singular goal to win a Super Bowl with this franchise. This is on my mind every day when I walk into the building. While I am both humbled and ecstatic about this contract, it motivates me to work even harder. I understand and embrace the responsibility that comes with signing this extension. To whom much is given, much is required. There is no other place I would rather be or fan base I would want to represent. As with any life-altering achievement, nobody accomplishes it alone. It is impossible to thank everyone who has made a tremendous impact on me in my journey, but I need to thank a few specifically. I am thankful to serve a God who has granted me endless grace and mercy. He is the reason I am standing here today. Without him, I do not know where I would be. I'm excited to see what he has in store for me and how he will use my testimony for his goodness. I am thankful to my mom, dad, and sister Maya for their countless sacrifices, for being there every step of the way and never wavering. They have been my backbone, and I am blessed because of their selflessness. The best is yet to come for our family and extended family. I love you. My girlfriend, Caitlin, who pushes me to be the best version of myself each day. I'm excited to continue this journey with you and see all God has for us. Our growth together cannot be quantified. I am blessed beyond words to have you in my corner. You are truly special. I love you. I want to thank the Snyder family, Dan and Tanya Snyder, Coach Rivera, the front office, and the whole organization for believing in and trusting me to be an ambassador for this organization. I do not take this responsibility lightly and will continue to strive to be my best each day on and off the field. Thank you to my teammates and coaches, both past and present, from Cathedral High School in Indianapolis and the Ohio State University in Columbus to the locker room and winning commander's culture we are collectively building in the DMV. My success is a reflection of the traits cultivated in these locker rooms and environments. I've been fortunate to form lifetime relationships and friendships. Thank you for pushing me to be the best teammate, leader, and competitor I could be. I cannot wait to work even harder. And of course, thank you to our amazing fans. I cannot thank you enough for all the ways you have supported me since the day I was drafted to Washington. You are truly one of a kind. Every opportunity to represent you brings me absolute joy. There is a proud history here in Washington. From the chants to the hogs, I do not take any of it for granted. I know together we all can bring the Washington organization back to the upper echelon of football and reestablish a winning culture. That journey begins now. You demand it, you deserve it, and we will do our best to make it happen one day at a time together through hard work and dedication.
See you this fall. Hashtag HTTC. Gratitude, peace, and love. Signed, Terry McLaurin. End quote. How'd you like that? How did you like that statement from Terry McLaurin? How great was that statement from Terry McLaurin? First class all the way. Uh, If you thought that it was not possible to like this guy even more, uh, you were wrong because now we like him even more. And after next segment, you're going to like Terry even more because up next is the first of our two special guests on the show, Dan Pizzuta, writer and editor for Sharp Football Analysis. Dan is a big Terry McLaurin fan, and Dan will give us a breakdown of Terry through the prism of NFL analytics and also will address some other commander's items, including Jahan Dodson. Uh, Dan really likes Dodson. You'll hear why and much more straight ahead. Well, eating healthy, it's something that we would all like to do, but it's not something that's always easy, enjoyable, and affordable to do. This is where Factor comes in. Factor is a meal delivery plan that provides you with healthy, delicious, and affordable food, and you right now can save $120 on Factor meals just by being a listener of this podcast. Whether you're trying to get or stay lean, or you're trying to put on muscle, Factor gets the job done and saves you hours per week in that you don't have to worry about food shopping, cooking, or doing dishes. Factor provides you with prepared meals that are fresh, never frozen. Uh, We're talking food from animals that are grass-fed and pasture-raised, food that is antibiotic, hormone, and preservative-free. Factor meals are put together by registered dietitians and expert chefs who work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. The meals are delicious. You'll have a hard time believing that they're actually good for you. And Factor offers 30 meals per week. You can choose from a variety of new meals every week, so you'll never get bored. Uh, Like many of you, I try to eat healthy. I go to the gym. I eat Factor meals. They're terrific. And you can't beat the convenience. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. You can't beat this. So here's a special offer. Visit Go dot factor 75.com slash Galdi 120 and use the code Galdi 120 to get $120 off. Yeah, you heard that right. $120 off. Who couldn't use an extra 120 bucks right now with gas prices and inflation? That's go.factor75.com slash Galdi120 and use the code Galdi120 to get $120 off. Give Factor a try. Eat well. Save yourself time and money. Visit go.factor75.com slash Galdi120 and use the code Galdi 120 to get $120 off. You got to try Factor because fitness starts with food. Well, this week, in a lot of ways, has become Terry McLaurin Appreciation Week on the Al Galdi Podcast. We, on Wednesday show, episode 346, celebrated and dissected the commanders having agreed with Terry on a three-year contract extension. We, on Thursday show, episode 347, got a great breakdown of the extension from NFL agent and former Redskins salary cap analyst J.I. Halsell. And we, right now, are going to get some advanced insight on Terry McLaurin, the player, and on some other commander's items with Dan Pizzuta, writer and editor for Sharp Football Analysis, one of the best NFL analytics sites out there. Uh, that's a site run by Warren Sharp, 
who is an NFL analytics pioneer. Uh, Dan has done a lot of good work for Sharp Football Analysis. You can follow Dan on Twitter, at Dan Pizzuta, which is spelled P-I-Z-Z-U-T-A. Dan, it's nice to talk to you again. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, nice to be here again. I appreciate you coming on. So I know that you are a big fan of Terry McLaurin. Uh, you on the most recent installment of the Sharp Angles podcast had Terry on your NFL all underrated team. Now, we all love Terry, but we're all Commanders fans, so we're biased. Always like it when Commanders players are validated uh, by objective analysts like you. So what strikes you in particular about Terry McLaurin? Man, it's really just kind of like how smooth he is with with everything and that's something that that really jumped out um when you started like watching his tape even like through college and in the senior bowl when he really you know popped um you know you go back to ohio state where he wasn't one of the main guys you know he had i think like a 10 percent target share in his final season which was his senior season so he was there a while uh, but when you look at what he did on like a per play uh basis he was actually like the most efficient receiver there when they actually threw to him so like that's something that stood out to me looking at what he was going to do uh heading into the nfl and then you look at him like he's he's just really good everywhere and i think maybe that's why he can get maybe underrated a little bit and, and overlooked a little bit. And, you know, the, the team is certainly a, a part of that and the offenses he's been a part of, but, you know, he's not, you know, the best at anything, which is certainly not a knock on him because he's really, really good at everything. And, that, and I think that's just what has made him uh, be able to kind of sustain some production in offenses that haven't been particularly great over the past couple of years. Interesting what you bring up regarding Terry McLaurin's time at Ohio State. Uh, The Redskins took Terry in the third round of the 2019 NFL draft. He was not expected to be a great NFL receiver. Did you think that he would be better in the NFL than most other people thought? Uh, Yeah, I I had him, uh, I think, uh, among the... I did like a loose rankings. I had him in the top 10 of wide receivers uh, in that class. Um, I, I really liked what he did. Yeah, I, I, put, I do put together like this metric for college wide receivers that kind of just look at what receivers do in uh, kind of the, the context of their college offense because college offenses are, are so varied between, you know, what the actual production is. So if you look at someone who had like 1,500 yards, that can mean wildly different things depending on what offense they were. So I kind of look at what happened when a uh, receiver was targeted and what the quarterback averaged when he threw to literally anyone else. Uh, and McLaurin there had like one of the higher rates uh, that I've ever looked at. And, and it was low volume because he was not on a, on a high share. You usually see guys who come out really well in that, uh, in that metric and have a really high target share or like kind of the, the star type guys uh, are usually what you want to target. Uh, but you can find some, some gems in the guys who don't have really the high volume, but are really good efficiency. And McLaurin was one of them. And I think he's kind of kept that up as he's gone into the NFL. When it comes to Terry McLaurin in regards to the other great receivers in the NFL, what do you think is most accurate to say about where Terry ranks among NFL receivers? Top 25, top 20, top 15, top 10? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably it's somewhere between... Like the 10 and 15, like I, I'd probably make the argument for somewhere in the top 10, maybe, you know, nine or 10, um, if you, you know, really wanted to put it there. But like, it's just one of those things, like he's really 
really good at, at just a, a lot of things. And I think that that consistency um, can sometimes get overlooked be, from some of like the other f- like more flashes. I think you look at like you know, DK Metcalf, who I, I really like as a receiver also. Uh, Metcalf has like those those flashes that you see like so much more uh, downfield, more touchdowns. But if you look at like yards per route run, um, a lot of other metrics uh, where they come out, like Terry McLaurin and DK Metcalf are almost the same receiver uh, production-wise. It just looks a lot different. Metcalf's a little flashier, so I think he gets a little more, um, you know, has been with Russell Wilson in that Seattle offense, a little more attention there. Uh, but I think you you put him against, you put them against each other, and, and they're fairly similar uh, in, in how they've actually produced. That's interesting. We talk and make usage of analytics on this podcast a lot. You obviously know football analytics really well. What are some of the stats and metrics that you like to use when studying an NFL receiver and trying to figure out how good he truly is? Uh, there, there's a couple. Um, I think, uh, I mean, if you just want to look at like targets, if, if we don't want to get like a super advanced, but like targets uh, are, are earned, right? You're, usually there's not bad receivers getting a lot of targets so if you look at just regular targets i think that that's a good thing you can start to look at like target share targets per route run if you are basing on you know how many how these targets are are earned and if you're a good receiver you're getting open uh, you are generally getting the ball thrown to you so um uh, those are good yards per route run i think it is a fairly uh, simple one also um you know then you can you know look at it, it depends on how you want, because if you look at, you know, uh, average at the target or yards after the catch, that kind of is based on the receiver role. But if you kind of like balance those two and just kind of see, you know, someone who ranks highly uh, in both, like a, a Jamar Chase last year was was crazy in both, which is yeah, insane for a receiver. Um, so so if you look at, you know, those type of things, uh, things that, that are based on targets, because um, uh, I think like that's kind of what they can control. You can control getting open. Uh, you can control if the ball is thrown to you and then you know especially if you look at like a McLaurin's case not necessarily can't control how well that ball is thrown to you uh but you can kind of control if it is I love the tweet that you put out this past Tuesday afternoon uh a great graphic of the EPAs the expected points added for Washington quarterbacks over the last three regular seasons when throwing to Terry McLaurin and when not throwing to Terry McLaurin and the results not surprisingly were that the quarterbacks EPAs were much higher when throwing to Terry McLaurin as opposed to not throwing to Terry McLaurin. This obviously suggests that Terry has not been playing with great number two receivers, and he hasn't. Uh, Hopefully that'll change this coming season with a healthy Curtis Samuel and or a very good rookie season from Jahan Dotson. But generally speaking, do great receivers benefit from playing with other great receivers, or is that a misnomer? Sure. I think they do uh, in a sense, right? You don't want to be so bad at uh, the other receiver places that you know you look at like a maybe a, a Devonte adams in um but he, like he's you know so good probably you know top one wide receiver uh if we're talking about that like if there's double teamed it doesn't really matter um you definitely want to have a good receiving core and i think you know washington tried to do that uh, last year you know curtis samuel uh wasn't really able to get onto the field as much you know uh, diami brown didn't uh, work quite as well as you know maybe some of us would have hoped um as a rookie so i they're they're obviously trying so having a nice um 
you know, balanced receiver core, I think does help. And I think they are still trying to do that. I'm a big fan of Jahan Dotson. Um, so I think that'll help this year too. But yeah, you, you don't want it to be so uh, reliant on one guy because then the defense can kind of do a lot of things to, to take that guy out of the plays. Yeah, I definitely want to get your take on Jahan Dodson in a bit here. We're talking Terry McLaurin and Commanders with Dan Pizzuta, writer and editor for Sharp Football Analysis. So it's funny to me with receivers in the NFL because on the one hand, we know that quarterbacks make receivers more so than receivers make quarterbacks. And yet on the other hand, receivers this offseason are getting paid like never before. The market is screaming that receivers are more valuable than ever before. Does this strike you as correct that receivers are worthy of massive money, even with this understanding that quarterbacks matter a lot more than receivers do? Yes, uh, I think so. You know, to an extent, it's interesting because a lot of what we've seen at like the top of the market um, is a little inflated um, because it's been a lot of like big money on like the last year uh, of like a a five year deal. So, you know, Tyreek Hill has like a $40 million cap hit in his last year. He's like not going to see that's the similar for Devonte Adams. So it's a lot of we're, we're seeing kind of a, a soft inflation of some of these like average annual values uh, a little bit. But um, it, it's interesting that like when you we have like the AJ Browns and the, the Terry McLaurin's now like those average annual values are, are more real, especially for McCorn. Like this is only a three-year deal. So there's, there's not going to be any fluff uh, in that. And like uh, over 70% of it is, is guaranteed. Um, so like he's getting a true like 23 million. We haven't, I haven't seen like the actual full details, but he's getting somewhere around like 23 million, which is, is more like uh, as early as February, you know, $20 million was, um, you know, the, the actual, like cap of uh, of wide receivers uh, that we saw with some of these guys getting you know long term deals in the franchise tags. Uh, so uh, yes, I would say um, it's really interesting because I think we are seeing how top wide receivers, especially in the playoffs, like you do need that. Then there are other teams like you know you just look at the Chiefs who are um, looking at you know they they want a wider array of good wide receivers. Um, and I think you're, it's a lot of, I think you're balancing it with the, with the cap of what you have at quarterback, right? A lot of these teams that went out and traded for those receivers have quarterbacks on more relatively managed and lower, uh, quarterback cap hits. Uh, so they can spend a lot on wide receiver. Then you look at, you know, maybe, um, you know, Stefan Diggs and, uh, Josh Allen, really Cooper cup and, uh, Matt Stafford and, and even Stafford's cap hits are, are lower a little bit because of you know some of the accounting there uh you're not really seeing a lot of those paired together uh, you're seeing aj brown and a jalen hurts and those so so that's kind of how we're, we're seeing uh teams really uh, attack the, the wide receiver market here which has been interesting too as we all know one of the things that makes what terry mclaurin has done over his first three nfl seasons so impressive is the merry-go-round of quarterbacks with whom he has played and the next man up in the merry-go-round now is Carson Wentz. Where is Dan Pizzuta on how Carson Wentz can and will do as a commander's quarterback? Uh, in in general, I'm not sure how different he is from the overall Taylor Heineke experience. It, it might be you know a little different, but I think they, they do fairly similar things in the terms of you know where they were targeting routes last year, uh, where they were throwing um, some of the, the dangerous 
throws they they wanted to make. Um, so uh, he, maybe he'll he'll be a little accurate. Like Wentz is is interesting because he's a guy like when things are going really well, uh, when he's being protected, like it, he can he can be fine. Uh, and then just when things go wrong, they they go really wrong really quick. Um, so if, if he's able to stay in, in a little bit more of a, a structured offense, uh, I think you know. I, you can obviously say he's probably the best quarterback McLaurin has had so far. Uh, that is not a, a high bar to to clear uh, to say that. So I'm not sure how big of a compliment uh, that is to Wentz. So I think the the high side of what Wentz can do is is probably we're going to see you know some some really good things. But there's also going to be uh, some days where there's very inaccurate balls, and it kind of looks like a little bit of what has been going on in, in Washington for the past couple of years too. Yeah, Carson Wentz certainly has been a high-variance quarterback. His good can be great. His bad can be awful. Washington had that with Taylor Heineke last season. So Jahan Dodson, uh, the commanders obviously are fans. I know that you are a fan. You study college football receivers. Why do you like Jahan Dodson? So he's a guy who has been in in a very similar situation, right, where he, I think, was was overlooked a little bit um, in college because his quarterback play was just uh, terrible. Um, And that's kind of one of the big takeaways uh, you can look at um, when when watching uh, his college tape. So when not throwing to Jahan Dodson, uh, Penn State, quarterbacks averaged only uh, 6.1 yards per attempt, which was like the the fifth lowest uh, among uh, receivers in this draft class. So he was working with, you know, fairly bad quarterback play. Um, And when uh, they did throw to him like 8.3 yards per target for Jahan Dotson, which is not a very, you know, impressive yards per target, like on its own, Um, especially when you look at like some of the other high powered, you know, offenses in in college football um but when you see like that's like a two and a half yard difference like that really puts john dotson in like it was him and and really nothing else um so i think he has that type of uh, ability where he made an offense better uh he's been able to compensate for for some uh high variance not even high variance because there wasn't a lot of high um in in the penn state quarterback room but he's been able to you know work and have production with some you know pretty bad quarterback play. So I think he, he runs routes really well. Um, and, and I think he has, you know, the ability to, to you know, be that number two, can move uh, in, in the slot and outside. So I think he's going to be a real good addition to that receiver group. I love to hear that. So the circumstances of the commanders drafting Jahan Dodson are always going to be remembered. The commanders went into the 2022 NFL draft with the number 11 overall pick, ended up making the trade with the New Orleans Saints to move down from 11 to 16. Had the commanders just stayed at 11, they could have taken receiver Chris Olave, could have taken receiver Jamison Williams. Uh, what I'm hearing from you is, you know what? The commanders are better off having traded down, gotten additional picks, and still landed Dotson. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, especially in, in a place like that, I think when you you know look at drafting, we're not necessarily very good. And I think like we, as in you know the, the general public of people who look at the draft and, and NFL teams in general, not necessarily very good at you know ranking one, two, three. But when you have guys in tiers, I think it's good to you know 
we're good at figuring out like who is in, in a top tier, right? And where there's a tier break. And I think you can argue, you know, Dotson was either the, the bottom of that tier or really the, the top of, of that next tier after those, you know, the five or so guys that, that went early. So for Washington to be able to, you know, get a couple draft picks, and this isn't necessarily a team that was, you know, loaded with talent. So to get a couple more draft picks and still get a, a guy there before the, you know, at the end of that receiver run, um, right? Because I think we saw like teams like, you know, Green Bay, uh, they weren't really able to do anything at the the bottom of the first round because all of those receivers had had already gone. Um, and there was a pretty clear tear break there. So to be able to, you know, sneak it in, still get one of those guys that, you know, you could arguably say was at the bottom uh, of that tier of guys who could really make a difference. Um, uh, I think that that made a lot of sense for, for Washington. Yeah, I'm with you on that. You last year wrote the chapter on the then Washington football team for the Football Outsiders Almanac 2021. And one of the things that you wrote about was the plexiglass principle. The plexiglass principle states that an NFL team that significantly improves in a phase of the game in one season tends to see a decline in that phase the following season, basically because significant improvement tends to be a function of, in part, luck. Well, sure enough, uh, we saw major regression for Washington's pass defense in the 2021 season as compared to the pass defense for Washington in the 2020 season. Uh, Washington's run defense for last season was good. The pass defense for last season was not good. Now, the commander's schedule for the 2022 regular season appears to be a lot easier than the team's schedule for the 2021 regular season. And so are you anticipating a bounce back season for the team's pass defense? Yeah, I think they're in a similar scenario where I think like last year could have figured, you know, the the expectations were, I think, a, a little high. And I wrote about that uh, a little bit as um, as it went on. I think people were really expecting this to be like a top you know, two defense um, because of, you know, what they were able to do in 2020. Um, so I think like with, with some injuries, uh, there was a lot of inconsistency in, you know, what they uh, were running out at corner. I think, you know, hopefully that that'll be, um, you know, a, a little better and a little more consistent. I think a lot of it was, you know, communication, uh, I mean, you know, you keep the, the coaching staff around. So I'm not sure how much that communication uh, improves uh, with the same people who are relaying it. Uh, but I think you, you know, uh, expect a, a little more from, you know, uh, some of those guys um, who were going to, you know, did not really play to their potential. So I think you can shoot, if you can bounce back and, you know, even be, you know, an average defense, I, I wouldn't expect, you know, Washington to be, you know, one of the, you know, worst third down defenses uh, in the league again. Like that's probably not something we're going to see. But if they jump back to uh, the, you know, the expectations people had for them going into last year, I'm not sure that's in, you know, the likely range of possibilities, uh, but I wouldn't expect them to be as bad as they were this past year. All right, Dan Pizzuta, writer and editor for Sharp Football Analysis. Dan, thanks a lot for your time. Have a great July 4th weekend. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. All right, good stuff from Dan Pizzuta. Up next, the second of our two special guests on the show, Scott Jackson, former studio host for the Washington Wizards Radio Network, a man who knows the Wizards' inner workings quite well. Uh, We'll discuss what the Wizards truly are thinking, both short-term and long-term as NBA free agency has begun, and Bradley Beal is re-signing with the team to the tune of a reported five-year, $251 million Supermax contract. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so NBA free agency has begun. It began on Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern. That was when NBA teams could begin negotiating with free agents from other teams, although it is not until July 6th at 12.01 p.m. Eastern that NBA teams can begin actually signing free agents to contracts and can actually begin officially making trades. The Wizards on Thursday evening, shortly after NBA free agency began, tweeted out that they are re-signing Bradley Beal. President and general manager Tommy Shepard, quote, the Wizards intend to enter into a player contract with Bradley Beal once the moratorium period ends, end quote. So Bradley Beal opted out. Bradley Beal now is re-signing with the Wizards, and the reports are that Beal is getting a full Supermax contract, a five-year, $251 million contract. Then on Thursday night, we got multiple reports that the Wizards have agreed on a contract with unrestricted free agent guard DeLon Wright, who can help the Wizards in two areas in which the team very much needs help, defense and three-point shooting. We know that the Wizards have agreed with the Denver Nuggets on a trade. Wednesday morning, the news broke that the Wizards have agreed to trade Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Ish Smith to the Nuggets for Monte Morris and Will Barton. I really like this trade for the Wizards. I explain why on Thursday's show, episode 347. Also, the Wizards' most significant unrestricted free agent this summer, Beyond Beal, Thomas Bryan, He seems certain to be gone. Wizards insider Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington on Thursday morning reported that Brian is likely to sign with a team other than the Wizards. Another Wizards unrestricted free agent, Thomas Sadoransky, he reportedly has agreed on a deal with FC Barcelona, for which he played prior to playing for the Wizards in his first stint with the team. The Wizards reportedly are re-signing restricted free agent Anthony Gill. And then there is... Kevin Durant, uh, the pride of Prince George's County, Maryland. He reportedly has told the Brooklyn Nets that he wants to be traded. So six years after the epic fail that was hashtag KD to DC, 
Could we, might we, be on the verge of a second Wizards pursuit of Kevin Durant? There's a lot to be thinking about with the Wizards right now, including, of course, the bigger picture. The team hasn't advanced past the second round of the NBA playoffs since 1979 and hasn't had a 50-win regular season since the 1978-79 season. Well, I am very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast a man with whom I have talked Wizards for years, both on and off the air. Scott Jackson, my former colleague at the Team 980. He was the studio host for the Washington Wizards radio network from 2000 to 2006. He succeeded me as the host of the official Redskins slash Washington football team slash Commanders postgame show on the team's radio network. He has been doing that since the 2016 season. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Jackson Sports. Hey, Scott, how are you? Great, Al. Always, always going to talk Wizards with you, just like we were back in the studios in, in Rockville Pike uh, back in the days watching, um, well, some really bad games usually. Yeah, well, the Wizards are always such a happy topic, right? So how do you not talk about them? Uh, but yeah, we are fans of the Wizards. We care about the Wizards. We want the Wizards to do well. How are you feeling about this team right now? Personally, it's hard for me to get super fired up about this team, just knowing that the realistic ceiling remains a regular season win total in the 40s. And as we know, an NBA team that maxes out at a regular season win total in the 40s isn't going anywhere of consequence. Do you this offseason see any realistic path by which the Wizards can raise their realistic ceiling? I mean, I think you need a lot of things to happen properly in this offseason in terms internally, right? You need Bradley Beal to be completely healthy. I think we all understand he's going to sign this deal that's inevitable, whether you like it or not, that's happening. You need Porzingis to be completely healthy. Um, you, you need some of these younger players, whether it's Rui, uh, whether it's, you know, it's Denny, uh, you know, to take that next step and, and show us if they're really going to be more than just, uh, you know, a role player or a, a rotational player on this team. Is any of these guys on the cusp of, you know, taking the next level or, or a guy like Kyle Kuzma, who's still really young and obviously going in to the last year before he can opt out, you know, somebody like that's really going to have to jump up to be that next guy, right. To be, if you want to have a true big three, if you look at it that way. So I think you need that internally. I don't, I don't see any magic trade on the outside. I mean, I think what we saw them do the other day was a smart move. So, you know, I mean, they got a guy with a good contract. It's not going to mess anything up. I think some of the other ideas before that with, with uh, you know, Mike Conley or even Malcolm Brogdon, who may be more accomplished players, you know, in Conley's case, you know, he's older. Uh, it's a huge contract. You know, Brogdon's a huge contract. He's been beat up. He's been injured, as you know, over the history of the Wizards and the Bullets. When they bring in guys that have had injuries in the past, they don't get healthier here. Uh, it's usually quite the opposite that happens. And I know you can't operate with that mentality, but it, but it is just something that you'd be a little uneasy about, even though I really like Malcolm Brogdon a lot uh, as a two-way player. But I, but I think when they got more, is solid. I think, you know, talking to some people in Denver after the fact, I like it a little bit more than I did maybe when I first saw it. And Will Barton, you know, he's, he's a good offensive player. And another guy, though, has, has had some injury issues. Um, but when he's on the floor, he can be good. I, I would see him as coming off the bench for them. They didn't give up much. I mean, KCP was, was either was the way out, expiring contract. Um, yeah, he's a good defender. But, again, Wes Unsell Jr. here knows the two guys he brought in. Um you know, I'm not going to equate it to Ron Rivera Commander situation, but, <laughs> but, but it is. I, I think it's actually good when when coaches are able to get players they have a relationship with and that they could plug and play, as opposed to somebody you've never coached before and you really don't know until you get them in the building. So from that standpoint, but yeah, I mean, to your point, yeah, they're probably right now today. You know, 
going, again, we have no idea what's going to happen this offseason with these other teams. I mean, maybe more stars will have to leave the East, and that could help them out. But for right now, I mean, you're, you're the bottom part of the uh, of that playoff scenario, I think, right now, if you look at the Wizards. If all things go well, I, don't, I feel, still don't think you're certainly breaking that top three, four area yet. All right, one more question before we get to Bradley Beal. As you know, the Bullets slash Wizards have struggled defensively for decades. Uh, the team was good defensively for a few seasons when Randy Whitman was head coach, but otherwise, we have had one bad defensive team after another. Well, the team took Johnny Davis with the number 10 pick in the 2022 NBA draft, then agreed on this trade for Monte Morris and Will Barton, now has agreed on this contract with DeLon Wright. All four guys have very good defensive reputations and are known for being tough. We know that Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. was known as a defensive specialist during his time as an assistant coach for the Nuggets, although we certainly did not see that defensive expertise translate into great Wizards defense this past season. That said, could it be, might it be, that our Wizards will be improved defensively this coming season, or is Scott Jackson not even entertaining that notion until he actually sees the Wizards be better defensively? I mean, I used to make this joke to, to Steve Weish, you know, who works at NFL Network now, when he worked with the Wizards, when he covered the Wizards, the Washington Post, and John Metro, the Washington Times, all in the same era when I covered the Wizards in the early 2000s. I said, are you guys going to pet your annual, the Wizards are going to play defense for <laughs> this year, and just change the names? <laughs> you know, it, it changed the years, and the coach, you know, and, he's, and they all laugh. I mean, but seriously, we do this all the time. Then it was Michael Lee that had to do that. Uh, you know, it was everybody, you know, that's had to do that at one point or another. Oh, is this the year? I, I, you know, uh, who was the other guy? Ivan, you know, Carter had to do the same thing. Uh, I'm trying to think about well, Mike Jones at one point was covering the Wizards. I mean, everybody that's covered the Wizards have had to write this story. And no, I don't believe it. Al, of course, I don't believe it until I see it. Um, is Rudy Gobert going to walk through that door and, you know, play in the back end of the defense for them? That would be nice. But I, I don't think so. They're not going to be able to do that. So, yeah, I mean, I think we have to see it. I mean, look. Prozingis is not known for his defense. Um, Bradley Beal should be a good defender. He has been at times. I think he's gone backwards the last couple seasons there. Um, I, I believe that uh, they're going to get a little bit better defensive uh, mindset with, with the new point guard, with Morris being there. I think that helps. But, yeah, they still have um, – they still got a lot of questions there. I mean, they, they've got to they got to get better as a group. Um, like they have guys that are athletic. I mean, you look at the – you know, you look at the pieces they have. They're, they're guys that are athletic and – it can play. I mean, they're not like broken down players, old players, so they should be able to get better at it. But it definitely is a, you know, buy-in, a belief, or what have you. Um, and they've got to, they just got to figure it out. I mean, I hope Wes Unsell Jr. can do it, but, you know, until we see it, it is hard to kind of, you know, totally, uh, so yeah, sure, that's going to happen. All right, so Bradley Beal, it is happening. The Wizards are re-signing him to a Supermax contract, a five-year, $251 million contract. Do you think that the Wizards are doing this because they want to do this or because they feel like they have to do this? I, I think they want I think Ted Leonsis wants to do it. And, I, and I'm not saying Tommy does it, but I think this is start, this starts at the ownership level. Like your owner has to be bought in on the star. I think after things went south with John, I, I think they were looking for, okay, you know, we believe in Bradley. He's the guy. He, look, he's he's a great person on and off the court. I think he, he is a good player. I do feel like though. I, you know, maybe the growth wasn't there last season when he was playing. Um, it was awkward how he and Spencer Dinwiddie did not 
work well together at all. Both players were better when the other was not on the court. Um, I, I almost feel like they gave Beal too much responsibility with, with ball in his hands. I, I thought he turned it over too much. Uh, I thought it was sloppy. He's not a good end of shot clock player necessarily either. I think, you know, it's funny hearing some of the things you've heard this offseason about them kind of going back to the way he played prior with, with John Wall in their best days, which was, you know, he's off the ball more, you know, and, and those kind of things. And I'll see if they do that this year. But, you know, I think it's important to them in this ownership to have a guy that they can say he's been a wizard from start to finish. Because very few people walk in the face of the earth that have stayed with this organization. Wes Unsold Sr., okay, was really the guy, right? Like, you know, he was it, you know? I mean, you look at, there's never been a team in, in, my, in this city for me that I grew up caring about that has had fewer guys that have had long careers with a franchise in the Wizards. I mean, you look at the Caps, there's a plenty of former Caps that stuck around. Rod Langway's still around, obviously. Craig Lachlan. I mean, Caps eras of players, you know, that, that we've seen, you know, that had good long tenures with the Capitals that stick around. But then you have other, you know, with the Wizards, like, they got 10-day contract dudes on their broadcasts. I mean, no offense, but, I mean, you know, Drew Gooden is this famous 10-day contract guy multiple times. Uh, you know, Jason Smith was a role player who played like four other places. I mean, the guys on the, on the postgame show are not people you would say were, were longtime bullet slash wizards. I mean, because there's not really that many of them. I mean, you know, like you got a billion former Washington Redskins in communities around here that are in business or in other things. But so I think for Ted, who has the Capitals, right, you got Alex Ovechkin, Mr. Capital, all-time capital uh, and this kind of thing. I think this is important to him. Um, and I think that's it's been a done deal for a long time. I haven't really spent a lot of energy on is it a good thing basketball-wise? Should they have cashed in a couple seasons ago? Would they have gotten more out of this team if they'd done that? Probably. You could certainly make that argument. Bradley Beal's never going to get more clout than he's going to get here. I mean, he could go, you know, sign this max deal, and in two years they could trade him, right? If it's not working out, he could go be another piece somewhere else. But he's never going to go somewhere else. They're going to say, hey, Bradley, this is your team. What do you think we should do? I mean, that's not happening for him, except for Washington. So I understand why the player wants to do it. I'm not mad at anybody uh, for their takes. And I just think it is going to be difficult for, um, you know, I, I just think it's going to be difficult for them once you give him that money to create a championship team. I, I just don't know if that's, that's real. One of the things, Scott, that I keep coming back to is how many bad contracts our Bullets slash Wizards have signed players to over the years. The Jawan Howard contract, the Gilbert Arenas contract, the Jan Mahinmi contract, the John Wall contract, the Otto Porter Jr. contract, the Davies Bertans contract. Will the Bradley Beal contract end up joining that list? Are we going to look back upon this Bradley Beal contract as another regrettable bullet slash wizards contract? Oh, we could. I mean, look, Jawan Howard, people look at it as a bad contract. You know, Jawan was a, was a productive player. Uh, he was he was relatively healthy throughout most of his time here, but the teams were terrible, right? I don't, I don't think they're going to be that bad. I, look, I think they've done enough to, to, to have have a level being in the mix for the playoffs every year, and especially now they do this play and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, it's, again, unless again unless Kevin Durant, we find out tomorrow, or, you know, said, hey, on my short list is Washington, and now you're actually number one on my list, or, or somebody like that. You know what I mean? It, that I have to be there, and then people just – this has never been, as you know, a, a free agent destination. Uh, has never been a, hey, I'm forcing my way out to get to Washington destination. So, yeah, it's tricky. There's no doubt. And I just think now they're at the point where, you know, they probably have missed the value of cashing out with Beal that they could have had, right? The height of it, whatever that would have been, um, you know, maybe two seasons ago, I guess, probably would have been the time to do it. 
a season and a half ago. But, you know, it's not to say that once you sign up to it, you're locked into it forever, but it does feel like that's the route they want to go. They really think it's important, believe it's important to have him to be Mr. Wizard and, you know, everything else falls into place after that. Well, you just said the magical two words, Kevin and Durant. And I want to ask you about a potential Wizards pursuit of Kevin Durant momentarily. But one more on Bradley Beal. He, earlier in his career, was a very good three-point shooter. I mean, he was pretty consistently a 40% three-point shooter. The three-point shooting really has declined in recent years. Why is that? I just think he's been a lot. He's been marked man, right? You know, look, say what you want about John Wall. And look, I wasn't one of these people telling you to bring him back, but he did get guys open. You know, he created for guys when they were pushing the ball. They got a lot of open looks. Life is a lot easier when you're not carrying the heavy load. Uh, And I think a lot of it has to do with that. I mean, he's the number one guy in the scouting report for the Wizards every night. So he's going to have to work for it. And again, I think in terms of efficiency of his game has gone down because, uh, again, I think they've just put the ball in his hands too much. I I hated that style last year where he was the backup point guard. I really thought that was a mistake on on the rookie head coach's uh, play. And I thought, you know, I could really defend a lot of things Wes Unsel Jr. did last year. I couldn't understand that one. They had like two other backup point guards they brought in here that for whatever reason didn't play. Um, very often, and I just thought that put too much on Brad. But anyway, yeah, I, I think I think a lot of it can you can stem from, you know, when John was here, when he was the guy, or you know, the other par- parts here when they space the floor better. Uh, I think a lot of that do with it. Hopefully, this season they can figure out a way to get Bradley to be more efficient uh, and, and not you know work him as, as much. He shouldn't have to work as hard for the points. And again, he has more help around him. They got some good parts. I mean, that, the thing I got Kuzma, I like Porzingis. I, like, I mean, these are good players. Uh, that can help this team, you know, but some of these young guys have got to grow up in a hurry and they've got to figure out the rotation that works the smartest for them, too. We're talking Wizards with Scott Jackson, who was the studio host for the Washington Wizards radio network from 2000 to 2006. So, Kevin Durant, if you are Wizards president and general manager Tommy Shepard, are you making the phone call to the Nets? Are you actually trying to dance the dance that the Wizards so unsuccessfully danced six years ago when Kevin Durant would not even take a meeting with the Wizards? I'd absolutely make the call. I mean, you might just get the phone hung up on you. They go, hey, he's not a, you know, it's Phoenix and Miami or Miami, whatever it ends up being, right? It's not you guys, but you at least got to find out. I think they probably have or will or through back channels if they don't do it, you know, straight up with the Nets, figure out if this is a real thing and if they're the agent uh, to find out. I mean, look, Porzingis and whoever you want. <laughs> That's where we'll start this conversation. We'll give you Kristaps. Sure, we only gave him, you know, 18 games or whatever the heck he was here for, but so be it. You know what I mean? But you would have to. I mean, it'd be a home run. I mean, honestly. You may not win a championship with it. You probably won't win a championship with it, but it would be the most interesting thing this franchise has done forever uh, if you were able to get Kevin Durant. You would have to do it. I still think there's there's some really good basketball left there. But yeah, maybe just better years are are probably behind him. But I think you could get him here and you would still be in the Eastern Conference in particular, uh, a very dangerous team. And it could be a really good team with him and Bradley is the one, too. And like I said, whoever else is left, you know, we'll figure that out later. Uh, if we have to, I mean, they're going to have enough pieces. They got enough people they've drafted over the years, but I, I don't think it would be a terrible idea. I really don't. I don't think it'll happen. Uh, that being said, I don't. You know, I think he made it pretty clear he never wanted to play here. Um, but hey, things change quickly. As you know, I thought he was Brooklyn was his forever team too. So who knew that Golden State winning one without him was going to break him? I, I didn't. I didn't see that coming. Uh, but again, this is a man that is a, spends a lot of time talking to people with two or three followers on Twitter that make fun of him. So. 
Yeah, I think what's funny too is that Kyrie Irving is staying with the Brooklyn Nets and now Kevin Durant wants out from the Nets. I think that that's telling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can understand that. I mean, who wants to tie their future to Kyrie Irving? Well, Kevin Durant did that too just a few years ago. It's amazing how that goes. Uh, So with Wes Unsell Jr., would you say that a season into his tenure as Wizards head coach, you feel better or worse about the Wizards having hired him as their head coach? Uh, I don't know. I, I think it was kind of a, I don't know. I, I kind of thought last year I was going to give him, a, you know, no matter what going in, it was kind of a pass. I knew the fast start was kind of fool's gold, uh, but it was enjoyable while it, while it lasted uh, for him. But I, look, I think, you know, look, they had done it the other way, which was hire this known commodity, you know, coach, so to speak, who had kind of, you know, sealing down in a couple places or in a place in, in Oklahoma City. Uh, and Scott Brooks, I think that was the next move. He, he was the next assistant, if you will, uh, that was on a lot of people's list. And it wasn't just them, you know, looking to hire him because he was, you know, Wes Unsold Jr., you know, and this is the Bullets franchise of yesteryear and his dad. I don't think that's why. I mean, I think there's other places he had other options. Um, so I didn't, I don't, I didn't dislike it. Tommy knew him, uh, very well. There's a, you know, there's history there. I mean, both parties had an idea of it. Um, I think a lot of what they've done in Denver, I know Denver hasn't taken the next step and I really like the way they built themselves, uh, to the point where they are now. And, you know, I think he was an important part of that. So I'll give him, I'll give him a couple more seasons. I think you got to see how it goes, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a little bit disappointing at times. Um, you know, and then at the end of the year, you know, there were stretches of the year too, Al, where it felt like it was one of those things. You, you see this in sports where you're playing too many people, almost like we got to show this guy a little bit. Like we want to get rid of Barton, so we got to play him some minutes. You know, we got to we got to play this player some more because we get you know maybe we can move him as well. I mean, it was it was a mess. Apparently, Montres Harrell was not the greatest of teammates either. I mean, there were some locker room issues there. Um, you know, Dinwiddie's mentioned how when he tried to lead, it didn't go over well, and that was kind of strange to hear. So we'll see, uh, but no doubt. I mean, it was it was not a pretty first season after the fast start, and but I, I don't think you don't you can't panic about it yet. You gotta you gotta give him time and let, let him once again try to retee this thing up and, and learn from his mistakes and hopefully have a better group. All right, I have a random Wizards question for you, but this is about something that to me has not gotten enough attention. It was on February 4th that Sashi Brown resigned from the Wizards in order to become president of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, this was really surprising. The Wizards had just promoted Sashi Brown on November 17th. The Wizards this past November 17th announced promotions and contract extensions for Sashi Brown and Tommy Shepard. Brown was promoted to president of Monumental Basketball and to special advisor to the office of the CEO at Monumental Sports and Entertainment. Now, Sashi Brown did have a history in the NFL, right? Big analytics guy. He was the executive vice president of football operations for the Cleveland Browns January 2016 to December 2017. So maybe it is as simple as Sashi Brown wanted back in the NFL. But, you know, a really big deal was made of monumental basketball when that was formed in July 2019. And part of the big deal was the hiring of Sashi Brown. What do you make of Sashi Brown having been promoted and then bolting the Wizards? Well, I mean, let's let's be honest. First of all, when they did this reorganization thing, I just felt like they had a lot of chiefs, right? Like they had all these people, these titles, titles, titles. I'm like, what do all these people actually do here? I, I had no idea. Um, I know at one point Tommy Shepard they had on his plate, and, I, and it may still be there. I've looked at his at his title in a while that he was also in charge of some of those video game teams, 
Yeah. Um, (laughs) Then he made a joke at the press guy. I had nothing to do with it. What are you talking about? Uh, But anyway, so from what I understand with Brown is he wanted to get back into football. Like he felt like he got kind of branded much kind of like, you know, the guy up in uh, Philadelphia did is kind of, you know, for the the process guy. I'm spacing out on his name now. Sam Hankey. Uh, yeah, I think more. Sam Hankey, thank you. Yeah. So I, I kind of feel like Sashi Brown kind of got branded that way in the NFL. Like, oh, he's so he was the guy, you know, they're saying that, like, you know, what the Browns did with the tanking was was wrong or what have you, you know, and it messed things up. But I, I kind of feel like they, you know, he kind of felt like maybe he got branded the wrong way and he wanted another shot in the NFL. So, you know, here he is. But it's, it's you know, I, it is interesting. You're right, because they did make a big to do, if you will, about all these people that were brought in there and their different roles and, um, yet here we are, you know, with some kind of some changes to that pretty quickly. So we'll see uh, what happens there. Well, 1979, that remains the last year our team advanced wow. past the second round of the playoffs. It's uh, it's an amazing fact. I can never get over that when I say that. Like, that is a long time mm-hmm. ago, and uh, we have yeah. not been past there since. So hopefully someday, somehow that changes. Scott, uh, appreciate your time so much, man. All the best to you. Thank you. All right, now. Thank you, buddy. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. So no show for Monday due to it being July 4th. And so I'll be back with you with a show for Tuesday, July 5th. Hey, my wedding anniversary is July 5th. I'm giving my wife a best of the Al Galdi podcast MP3 for our <laughs> anniversary. I bet she'll be thrilled. Anyway, Tuesday show, episode 349 will be a big show. Uh, I will talk Commanders. I will talk Wizards with whatever goes down with them in NBA free agency over the July 4th weekend. And I'll talk Nationals and Orioles. So the Nats have a four-game series against the Miami Marlins at Nationals Park Friday through Monday. The O's have a three-game series at the Minnesota Twins Friday through Sunday and then have a three-game series against the Texas Rangers at Oriole Park at Camden Yards Monday through Wednesday. Have a great July 4th weekend and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. I'm a little bit more process-oriented. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.